praise the Lord. God's laid a very, I believe, strategic message on my heart. And once again, it's one of those things we all, in a sense, know. But that's the dangerous thing, the ones that we think we know. Because very often, you see, we have a preconception. And preconceptions are very dangerous. People have a preconception about something. The devil works with the vague, and that preconception stops them from either involving themselves or not. And you see, it's all based on half-truths. Okay, but let's go to the Word of God, and I'd like us just to turn to two short scriptures, very short scriptures. John 15, 1 and 2. Gospel of John has really become very special to me. John 15, I'm just going to read the very well-known scripture about the vine. John 15, verse 1 and 2. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. For you are already clean because of my word, etc. Let's just go to Ephesians. Right, the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be reading Ephesians 5, verse 16. Ephesians 5, 16. Ephesians 5, verse 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray that this word will burn in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we recognize you as the great teacher, and we pray that you teach us today. Use me, but Holy Spirit, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive revelation from heaven. We bind every spirit that would try to stop this word from going forth and bearing fruit in the hearts of all those within the sound of my voice. We ask this in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Now, the title of this message is Casting Out Clutter. <laughs> Casting Out Clutter. We notice there's a pattern in life, and it's expressed in the Word time and time again. And as I think about it, it's a very central theme throughout the Bible. Now, when I speak about clutter, what am I talking about? All right, let me just put it this way. Clutter is any, and I'm going to call it entity, because it's not just things. Any entity, any entity that takes up space, time, energy, and resources, but doesn't produce fruit. Amen? Clutter is any entity in our lives that takes up space, time, energy, and resources, but doesn't produce any fruit in our lives. Amen? That's clutter. And we have got to get rid of it. Amen? We have got to get rid of it. Now, we talk about, I am the vine, the true vine. You are the branches. All right? Any vine that's not producing, what happens? It gets cut. Okay? That is the story of life. If you think about it, 
You see, if you don't cut off the dead branches, what happens? It stifles growth. Amen? Now, what I want us to grasp is at one stage, those vine branches were fresh, new, and producing fruit. Amen? But in the cycle of time, there came a time where they no longer did that. Amen? You see? Please, let's just pick up this pattern. The same pattern is reflected also when the Lord spoke the parable of the wineskins. Remember that? He put the wine in these big wineskins and that's how they transported it. But then what happens? Eventually, the wineskin becomes dry and brittle. You see? So, there comes a time where one has to get rid of that wineskin. Okay? I've talked on this before. People are very reluctant to get rid of stuff because it's got sentimental value, you understand? But if you want to contain the new wine that has to be got rid of, its season is over. Amen? And you see, the problem with this is that if we don't understand it, we end up in our lives with a whole lot of clutter that actually stifles growth. Amen? That's what's happened in the church, can I tell you, to a large extent. The church has got a whole lot of clutter that has accumulated from the past. Right? And it stifles growth. I think of the garden here. You've got to get somebody, if you're not prepared to do it yourself, every now and then to come and take out all the weeds. Do you not? If you do not take out those weeds, what will happen? It stifles growth. Amen? It stops the other plants from really growing. Now, I'm here to say, and this is really for me more than anybody else, so if nobody had come out of still preached it anyway. <laughs> but you see, there's a danger. There's a danger of allowing that which has passed its sell-by date, if you want to call it that, from cluttering up our lives. Amen? This is a cycle of life. You see, there's a time when things are of great value. Amen? But because they are of great value at one stage, doesn't mean that they'll always be of great value. Can you see? And the danger is, because they were of such great value, we hold on to them. I'll just give you a very simple example of a child. The young boy, little boy, he gets a new bicycle. <laughs> this is like heaven on earth. My mother bought me, I think it was a number one or a number two, Raleigh, blue Raleigh bicycle for my, I think it was my sixth, seventh birthday. I don't remember. But anyway, this was like the best thing since toast. Oh, my soul. But it would be pretty stupid if I was still having to get outside on a little Raleigh number two at my age now, wouldn't it be? There comes a time where that bicycle, even though it's very valuable, has got to be turfed out, sold or given away, whatever. Do you understand? But the point is this. If you hold on to it, it's going to take up space. Remember what is clutter. Any entity that takes up space, time, energy, or effort and doesn't produce any fruit. Now, you see, when I'm preaching this, guess what? I'm not even going to point a finger at anybody because we have got cupboards in this household that are of no use to man or beast. Can I tell you why? 
they are filled with clutter. There's in fact areas of this house that are no use to man or beast. Guess why? Clutter. <laughs> Clutter. I should actually start a shop, a second-hand cell phone shop. Amen. Somebody please tell me what to do with an old cell phone that is of any benefit to somebody on this earth. Can I tell you what my problem is with this whole cell phone business? There was a day when I was quite keen on photography, and I remember the effort we went through to try and get a clear picture with all this paraphernalia and stuff. Now, a simple handheld device takes moving pictures far better than anything we used to have in those days. And to think that that little device that does such wonderful things with sound and with pictures, just throw it away. It's hard for me. I've got this Blackberry, which is quite famous. It actually saved my life. When I was in hospital a year ago, as I said, I used to play the Word of God against the parts of my body that were afflicted, and I was healed. All right. So you see, this little Blackberry has got great sentimental value. But unfortunately, guess what? It sort of works when it feels like it. <laughs> you can't have a cell phone that sort of works when it feels like, can you? So the sad thing is that one day I'm going to have to do what? Right now, guess what? It's clutter. Can you see? And I could say that for cupboards full of stuff. Clutter. So you see, please, ladies and gentlemen, we have to learn this. We have to get rid of clutter. Okay? And I think that clutter in the physical affects us in the spiritual, in a way. But remember something. I said that clutter was an entity. Amen? That takes up, please, let's get this in our minds, takes up space, time, energy, and resources and doesn't produce fruit. Okay, now please, it gets a bit more complicated. So we've all got that. If you've got clutter at home, do yourself a favor, travel light. Amen? Travel light. You know, there's an interesting aspect of what we know as the Passover meal. The Israelites in Egypt, they got strict instructions about this Passover, what they had to pack and get ready, because they were going to be leaving soon. Right, And part of it was this whole unleavened bread business. I don't know if any of you know about matzos, because you know, my father was Jewish and used to every now and then get a box of matzos. We loved it. And that's what the Jewish folk use when they have a Passover. We used to have Passovers, actually, meals, assimilated ones. But anyway, the significance of that matzos is that it's unleavened. Now, leaven, as you know, is the yeast. right? And the Lord gave Israel instructions to take their dough but not leavened, okay? Now, obviously, leavened refers to sin in our lives. We know that symbolism as well. But on this occasion, the situation was this. They had to be ready to go. Amen? They couldn't wait for the bread to rise. There was no time for that, you see. So the instruction was make sure it's unleavened because you might have to eat on the hoof, as it were. You won't be able to sit around and wait for it to rise. By that time, the Egyptians would have killed you. You understand? The symbolism in that unleavened matzos was be ready to go. Be ready to move. And it was a symbol down the ages to you and I on this earth. You know what that symbolism is? Travel light. Travel light. You understand? And let me just say this, if you and I have got a lot of clutter, we're not traveling light. You know what I mean? We're not traveling light. 
we accumulate stuff that's no use to man or beast. Let's just take a classic example. You get your dream home. You get your dream home and you fill it with beautiful furniture and children and blah de blah What happens? The children take their wings. <laughs> You're sitting in this big palatial residence like two peas in a pod. What am I trying to say? There's no harm in that, but this was of value at one stage. You get it? But if you cling on to it, it can actually become a, a millstone around your neck. You look at that rich young ruler, as they call him, who came up to the Lord and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know the story. We've been through it so many times. The Lord nailed it right there. Got through the whole law. He said, I've carried out the law. I've complied with the law. I'm a very good boy. He said, I've got all my naughty points. And then the Lord says, well, go and sell. Sell what you have and give the money to the poor, you see. And that's where he just couldn't do that. He couldn't do that. What had happened in his life? You see, the Lord wanted him to follow him. But he couldn't follow him with all the clutter. They're busy evangelizing to a city. Oh, wait, got a business deal. Got to take care of my real estate. You get the idea. Now, there's no harm in having real estate and having stuff. Okay, please. We've got to get this right. It's not like, oh, it's a sin to own anything. Not at all. God wants to bless us and prosper us. Amen? Has everybody got that clear in this church? We don't take a vow of poverty here. Amen? I don't take no vow of poverty. Right? God wants us blessed. God delights, this is Bible, in the prosperity of his servant. Amen? Amen. However, once again, what is clutter? Any entity that takes up space, time, energy, or resource and doesn't produce any good. That's just the litmus test, as it were. Does this entity produce life in my life? Amen? Does it produce fruit in my life? If it doesn't, guess what it is? clutter, right? And we have to take those shears and cut it off. Amen? That's what God is saying today. Travel light. I mean, life light. (laughs) Travel light. I mean, travel light. Don't be held back by stuff. Amen? Now, please, it doesn't just stop with things. This is the point I'm trying to make. That's why I said entity. It doesn't stop with just things. There are a whole lot of other things that can classify as clutter. Right? Remember, clutter is any entity that takes up time. This is a big one, brothers and sisters. Time. Any activity that you and I devote time to that doesn't produce fruit is what? Clutter. Clutter. We know grown adults for crying in a bucket. The wife complains that the husband spends all night playing video games. Hallelujah. The same individual can't get up to get to church. Are video games evil? Some of them are, by the way, apparently. But not necessarily. Not necessarily. All right? But it's taking up time. And the question is, Is it producing fruit in our life? 
Remember that? Something isn't inherently clutter. What it does to you and I determines whether it is clutter or not. Now, can I just say this? Please understand something. There might be a place where you enjoy a computer game and it gives you relaxation and it's of value. Amen? So we're not saying, oh, it's a sin to play any computer games or any other games like that. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Please, we have got to. We have got to walk out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I play Sudoku now. I got back to that. Why do I do it? I want to keep my mind active. My mother is 95 now, by the way, and she's still totally lucid. She can hold on any conversation with anybody. There's no dementia, whatever, but she's kept her mind active. She plays those code games. She keeps her mind active. So what I'm saying is not sin in that case. However, if I start getting addicted to Sudoku and everybody comes to church, I just put the book under the table. <laughs> put, put on that holy look. Have you ever come across a holy look? Be waiting for everybody to go, oh good, they're gone. Now I can get back to my puzzle. Now, please, I want us to grasp something here. Please, this is very important. Life changes. Amen? And remember what the definition was. Something that it might have been of use at one stage, but it is no longer of use. It becomes clutter. Can you see that? So, let me just say this. If you and I are wanting to move forward with God, and I believe everybody in this church does want that. That's why you're here. We want to move forward with God, right? You will find that as we get closer and closer to God, those things that were innocent pastimes become clutter. Amen? The more you want God's anointing on your life, the more things that are unnecessary we will have to cut out. There's no great sin in playing computer games and having pastimes and things like that and watching television and all this stuff. But let me say something. If you want the anointing on your life, if we want the power of God in our lives, you're going to have to cut a lot of that stuff out. Amen? You're just going to have to do it. That's the choice you have to make. We were listening to a very fine man of God who was being interviewed, R.T. Kendall. The name is R.T., is it? Very fine man of God, written some fantastic books. But he was just saying how people want revival, but they're not prepared to pay the price for it. Can you see that? And they miss out. And when I listened to what he said, essentially what he's saying, people are not prepared to get rid of clutter. Stuff that became clutter. There's stuff that I could have done before. I can't do it now. Do you understand? I can't do it now. Every single thing that I do now, I've got to decide whether it's going to help me. But we'll get into that in a bit more detail. We've got to be realistic about this. We're not saying don't live life. Amen? We're not saying don't play a game of bridge or play a game of chess or something like that. I encourage us to have interest in life. God came to give us life. So please, let's get the balance here. This is not legalism whereby... Oh, in this church, it's a sin to go and have a game of golf. Now, please, there's a few things I've got to say. You see, how do we decide whether something is going to produce fruit or not? That's the big question. All right? How do I know if this is going to produce fruit in my life? 
And the issue all hangs around what you and I are called to do. Amen? It depends on the purpose. That's why I continually teach in this church the importance of you and I knowing what God has called us to do. Amen? Because it's only when you and I know what we are called to do that we can look at activities and say, will this help what I'm called to do? Does everybody see that? You can't just say, oh, that's bad and that's good. It depends on the individual and the individual's call. Amen? I hope you're grasping that. You see, my call has developed. There was a time when I could quite happily go and play a game of golf or whatever. I could quite happily go and do a day's work in the marketplace. You understand? Is it a sin to do work in the marketplace? Definitely not. It's a great benefit. However, as your call becomes stronger on you, what might very well happen? You can't do that anymore. That would become clutter. Can you see that? A valid activity can become clutter. There was a time when I was teaching at the school just to support the family. All right? I taught as best I could. I think I wrecked some kids' knowledge of history for life. (laughs) Others seem to think I did quite well, but that's debatable. But what am I saying is there came a time when I knew in my heart, because there was a call on my life, you see, that I had to stop this. As much as I enjoyed doing it, etc., I couldn't go on with it. It was becoming clutter. Can you see that? You've got to grasp this, you see. It's not like one size fits all. Are you hearing me? It's so important to grasp this. However, we've got to be prepared to move with God. And we've got to discern when something becomes clutter. What do we mean by clutter? An entity that takes up time, space, resources, and energy and doesn't produce fruit. What is producing fruit? Do you understand? Benefiting what I'm called to do for God. Amen? There was a time, you might not understand this, but I was in Bible college, as it were, and I realized something. This whole issue here is clutter. I'm out of here. Amen? And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. Now, for another person, that might be what God wants them to do for their ministry. Do you understand? Maybe they're going to teach in a Bible college and they're going to teach theology. They need to do that. It's not clutter for them. Is everybody grasping the message here? You see, we've got to be very, very conscious in our lives. What is clutter? What is taking up space, as it were, and not producing fruit? Now, that's the other scripture that we read. Redeeming the time in Ephesians. Be cautious. Because the days are evil, you need to redeem the time. What does it mean to redeem the time? Redeem literally means to buy back. You can't buy back time. What it's talking about is maximizing what time we've got left. Amen? Maximizing what time we have got left on this earth. I can be very honest with you. Last year when I was facing this crisis, I wasn't worried because I knew I hadn't finished what God's told me to do. 
And if you haven't finished what God's told you to do, you're stuck here, whether you like it or not. You have to mess up big time to get out of here early. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, you see, I wasn't in a hurry to go to heaven. Why? We've got a limited time to get done on this earth what we have to get done. I have to redeem every single moment. Amen? Can you see that? And you see, as you and I draw closer to God, and as the days get more and more evil, you and I have to redeem more and more time. What does that mean? We have to cut out of our daily time because there's only 24 hours in a day. I don't care who you are. That's it. You and I have to cut out everything that is now clutter. Amen? I'll give you an example. You see, there was this man, Keith Moore, who was raised up under Kenneth Hagin's ministry, Raymer in Tulsa. And he became in charge of what they call the healing school. The healing school. They saw great miracles happening almost on a daily basis. And not at the hands of the great ministers and pastors, by the way, at the hands of the students. They'd have healing rooms. People would come in, they'd appoint a student, the student would pray, people got healed. Now, there's two examples that I've shared before, but this explains exactly what it means to redeem the time. Redeem the time. You see, there's this one lady who came there, the doctors, the medical profession had given up for dead. Cancer riddled throughout her body. No medical hope whatsoever. Her last hope, so to speak, was healing school. She pitched up there. And you know what? Young girl, she took every single lesson that there was. Every meeting that there was, she was there. Every Bible study, everything, she was there. She was there. You know what happened after a few months? <laughs> Cancer, totally gone. Listen to this. She would say to people, do you know what happened? I filled myself up so much with the word of God, there was no space left for the cancer. How's that? There was no space left for the cancer. What was she actually doing? Getting rid of any clutter. There was no space for the devil. Amen? There was another case, sad example. This one young lady brought her mother who was also a cancer patient, cancer victim as it were, and she said, can you help us here? And Keith Moore said to her, yes, we can help you. We're having a meeting this afternoon. Come to the meeting. You see, they had meetings all the time. Just continue praise and worship, teaching faith, teaching the word. In that environment, guess what happens? People get healed. Amen? Anyway, he said to them, come to the meeting and take it from there. Do you know what the mother, well, they said to him, no, we, we plan to go shopping this afternoon. We plan to go shopping, mother and daughter time. Now, is mother and daughter time a bad thing? Not at all. It's a wonderful thing. Hey, amen. It's a wonderful thing. But what I'm saying is that's not a bad thing. But this lady was in a position where her life was threatened. And she chose, let's go shopping. She died three months later. What was the problem? She was not prepared to cut out the unnecessary clutter. Amen. Kenneth Hagen. As a young boy, threatened with death by terrible diseases, the medical profession gave him no hope of survival, no hope whatsoever. And even the church planned his funeral. How's that? You're busy there, totally ill in bed, and next door you hear the minister who you called on to come and pray for you, discussing funeral arrangements. What hymn does he like? Hey, I'm not dead yet! But he realized then his only hope was the word of God. Only hope was the word of God. 
And fortunately, he went to the word of God for himself and he found out what God actually said and he chose to believe it and he lived to be 82. Ripe old age, changed the world, did everything. But they said to him at one stage, don't you want some comics? You know the comics that kids used to read? I used to read them. Anybody know what a Beano is here? Don't you like the Beano? Little Plum, and there was Superman, and that's where that all came from. And Tintin. Tintin. But anyway, so they said, shame, he's on his bed all the time. Doesn't he want some comics? Do you know what he said? He said, I haven't got time to read comics. I haven't got time to read comics. My life is threatened. I can't waste my time. Can you see? Is it wrong for a kid to read comics? If they read something, it's a wonderful thing this day and age. But what I'm trying to say is, you see, for him, it became clutter. Clutter. I used to go to the hospital and people are terminally ill. They're watching television. Is it wrong to watch television? In the natural light, entertainment, sport, get your mind off your problem. But if you understand the word of God, you can't afford that. When the devil is threatening you, you haven't got time for any form of entertainment. You have to, have to get into the word of God. That's why many Christians say, we're waiting for God to heal us. If God wants to, he will. What do they do in the meantime? Oh, I'll just go to the show here. I'll go and have that meal there. I'll just enjoy my life. What is the big mistake they are making? You have to cut out what will, in that situation, become clutter. Are you hearing me this morning? The times are desperate, brothers and sisters. We haven't got time to fool around. We haven't got time to mess around. You and I, as children of God, if we want to stand in this day and age, have not got time to fool around. We cannot afford to have our lives filled with clutter. Amen? Let's go to the next one. There's another two. I'm almost finished here, but this is really important. The biggest space that is cluttered in your and my lives is this potato between the ears. Clutter. Unnecessary entity that don't produce any fruit, which, for your information, would probably categorize 90% of the thinking process of most Christians. Amen? Your and my mind's filled with unnecessary thought processes. You know what that is? Clutter. 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 How many times does the Bible say, do not be afraid? How many times? I think somebody counted it. It's over a thousand times. The Lord in his ministry, all the time, don't be afraid, only believe. Do not take thought for the future. Right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. So what do we humans do? <laughs> we sort of fill our brains with all these worries and fears and this and that. Let me tell you something. Because of that clutter in your and my minds, we tie God's hands. He can't help us. Did you know that? Does he want to help us? Of course he does but he needs our cooperation. And if our minds are filled with clutter, now you see, you might say, oh, well, it's quite human to be afraid. And fear has got a place in our lives. Let me tell you, when it comes to self-preservation, there's a place where God's given us that emotion. And we need to fear God, yes. But are we supposed to worry? How much does worry do for you? That's positive. What is clutter? Anything that takes up time. Space, effort, resources, 
that doesn't produce fruit. Clutter. It needs to be pruned. Amen? Now, please notice something. How do you prune bad thinking habits? You can't just stop them. Amen? You can't. Okay, so let's be realistic here. You're facing a crisis. You can't just, oh, I won't think about it. That's almost irresponsible. You see, what we've got to do in this situation, please understand it. When we've got an entity that is not producing fruit, not only must we cut it out, but we have to replace. Amen? We have to replace. That's why the Bible describes what we must think about in Philippians 4. Whatever is good, pure, holy, etc. You understand? We've got to make the choice to continually fill our minds with that which does produce fruit. Amen? And like that young lady said, if our minds are so full of that, there's no room. There's no room for the devil to put his fear and his worry and his stuff on you and all. Amen? Can you see that? We've got to, as it were, optimize our facilities. When you optimize your home space, what do you do? You get rid of what you don't need and you put there what is of use. Amen? Can you see that? The same with our thinking. It's so important. You and I want God to move. What have we got to do? Give him the facility for him to move. What is that? Our thinking process. Because let me explain it this way. As we think, that's how we are and that's how we act. Amen? If your mind is filled with clutter, you're going to fill it with more clutter. Amen? If you are worried, 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 what are you going to do? Eat, eat, eat. If you meet. And 90% of the rest of humanity. Amen? Comfort eating. I must all, dear Lord, deliver me. But you understand. You see, we've got to fill our minds with the good things and that will lead to good actions and a good sleep, by the way, as well. Now, that's the thinking process. We could go on for a week about this. But please, let's not clutter our mind with rubbish. Amen? Rubbish food for the soul. Fill our minds with good thoughts. Amen? Is it easy to start off with? It's quite a battle. Amen? But remember what the word says, whatever you can believe, it's possible. Amen. I love to meditate on that scripture. All things are possible to him who believes. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? I mean, that's enough on its own, isn't it? I just have to believe for some beautiful things to happen and fill my mind with that. Let me tell you, as you do that, God can do something for you and I, and he does. Amen. The last thing I need to say, and I have to be very cautious about this because it can be taken the wrong way. I talked about an entity. Do you know that certain relationships can become clutter? Let me say that again. Certain relationships can become clutter. Now, please, this is where the danger comes. You and I can say, oh, good, now I can write that person off. The pastor <laughs> said I can write that person off. Pain in the neck and you see he's clutter. I don't want clutter in my life. Well, for your information, remember, it's any entity that doesn't produce fruit. For your information, people that you don't get on with very often are producing what in your and my life? Fruit. Amen? That's not a case of, oh, I don't like them. You are clutter. No big sign. Oh, you are in my box of clutter. Bye! <laughs> it's interesting. I saw something for the first time. 
I was reading about Hagar, dear old Hagar. She happens to be a maid, and Sarah thinks, well, this, I'm not going to produce, so let's let this woman have the baby for me and everybody will be happy. Try and do things in her own brain. It doesn't work out that well. Well, anyway, she has the baby, and she, you know what happens. She starts to chirp the mistress because now she's got the baby, and she doesn't And now Sarah gets fed up, chucks her out, and she goes off into the wilderness. Now, what was very interesting, God came to her and comforted her, and he said, I'll make you into a mighty nation, Ishmael, etc. But he said something else to her. Not he said, go back to your mistress. How's that? Go back. Sometimes God wants you and I to be with people that we don't like because it's working good in our lives. So please don't take this message wrong. Amen? Please. However, there comes time where relationships constitute clutter. They're not producing any fruit. All right? And there does come a time, I'm not saying cut ourselves off from people, but reduce our activity with. Okay? We teach in the foundation course one of the hallmarks of truth, truth, biblical truth, is that it separates. Amen? You see, when God's truth, and truth is what God thinks, by the way, when what God thinks comes your and my way, we can't just sit around and do nothing. We cannot be passive about it. Truth will always demand that we do something. Can you all say amen? amen? Always. Truth, if you come across it and you love it, it will put a demand and you will go with it. Imagine if you were swindling fortunes out of the company that you're working for. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> Unless that fortune comes this way, then it's fine. <laughs> Sanctified loot. No, I'm joking. But now you get saved, all right? Not that you're not saved, but you get saved. And, uh, and the Lord comes and the truth is you've got to make right with this. You've got to tell the boss, I've stolen this money. Send me to jail, whatever. You've got to do. That is the truth. You've got to do something about it, don't you? You can't just say, oh, that's a wonderful truth. Thank you, Lord. I'll have a nice deep sleep. I know what I should do. You have to do something about it. When truth comes your way, you have to step out. We in this church have decided when truth comes our way, after we research the word of God, we move with it. That's why, to a large extent, we find ourselves, in some respects, very much out in the cold for your information. But let me just explain something. Truth separates in the sense of if you receive the truth and you go with it, that does not mean that the person next to you is going to receive the same truth and go with it. Amen? What is a tear when you separate? This piece goes this way, and this piece goes that way. Can you see that? Now, a lot of people will not embrace the truth. Why? They'd rather stay cozy. Amen? Comfort zone. Peer pressure, call it what you want. The fear of man is what it actually is. And the fear of man brings a snare. It captures you and I. If we allow it, which I will not allow. Amen? But what I'm trying to say is this, you see, that we've got to recognize that. And we've got to live with it. Amen? What that means is to associate too much with those people that we've left behind can become clutter. We've only got so much time in this world. We cannot afford, and it's very hard when it's family. You understand? That's a difficult one. That's a very difficult one. 
But do you know, there are people, I've come across this in Christian circles, people will not go to church, but guess what's happened? Their family, in a sense, has become their church. Do you know that? Their family is their resource base, their social life, everything is around the family, but not any connection with the body. We knew a family like that. That's what happened. And they were all very happy until guess what happened? Tragedy struck. They had no protection whatsoever. The devil came in and wiped them out. Just like that. Amen? I'm speaking the truth here. By the way, amen. But you see, it's a very difficult one to understand. Listen, I'm walked with these people. I cannot walk with them anymore. Does that mean we cut them off? No. Do you understand that? You're not cutting people off. Oh, I don't want anything to do. No, no. We're devoting more time to and being with people that are like-minded. Not being a holy huddle. Does that mean we mustn't have anything to do with the world? No, no. No, no, not at all. We've got to go into the world and change the world. Amen? But we can't allow the world to change us. And that's the balance you and I have to walk with the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? I'll give you an example from the Word of God. You might say, where does it come in from the Word of God? Yeah, the Lord is ministering. You might remember this occasion in the Gospel of John. It mentions that a whole, it's almost like a delegation of Greek people. The Greeks were the non-Jews, if you want to call them that. The Choyim, the heathen, as they thought. How they come, and they'd heard about the miracle work, and they wanted to see him. The Greeks, they came to Philip, and they said, we want to see Yeshua. And he said, hold on. It was like a hierarchy, you know, like if you want to see the manager, you've got to go through the secretary, blah, blah, blah. So, okay, we'll see if we can arrange this. Goes to Andrew, Andrew speaks to the Lord. And you know what? As so often happens in the Bible, somebody asks the Lord a question and he goes off on a complete tangent. Have you seen that? He stumped many people. But well, now you might have thought in the natural, the Lord would have said, yes, fantastic, I want to reach all people. You understand? Where are they? Bring them in, bring them in. I mean, he said that with the children. Don't keep them here. Bring them here. Can you see? That's what you and I would expect. But he said, the time has come. Nothing to do with the Greeks. He didn't even answer them. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Right? Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it cannot produce. Now, what's that about? Possibly if they'd come to him a year earlier, when he was busy with this ministry, he would have welcomed them, given them an audience, explained his purpose. You understand? But what had happened? His ministry was now moving into the critical phase where he had to be sacrificed. Can you understand? This ministry is now going into another level. And at that level, there's no time for this. Those Greeks coming and jabbering to him would become for him clutter. Can you see? would have distracted him from his mission. Clutter. Are you picking this up? And there comes a time when you and I have to separate from people or certain people. Why? If we don't, that relationship can become a hindrance. A hindrance. There was a time when I used to go up north to a remote spot. I should do it again, I think. But why did I go away? Why didn't I just stay at home and Lock myself. The Lord did the same thing for 40 days, but separated. Why? Couldn't afford interaction. As good as interaction would have been. Are you hearing me? We're not talking about things that are overtly sinful. Not at all. Relationship with family is not sinful. Not at all. Please, are we picking this up? 
However, we've got to be very sensitive about relationships. I know pastors that go from this pastoral meeting, this fellowship, this fraternity to this. Meetings all over the place with other pastors. And keeping themselves busy for the sake of the gospel. You understand? What are they doing? Filling their lives with a whole lot of clutter. They do much better, I believe, in spending time with the Lord. Now listen, please. We have got this fellowship we belong to. We have a wonderful time with other ministers in the fraternal. We enjoy it very much. It's a great blessing. But it's once a month, you understand. I don't go around looking for ministers' fraternals every week to go and look holy and talk about what God's doing maybe somewhere else and haven't got time for it. Can you understand this, right? Those meetings, as good as they can be, can become clutter. And you and I need to get rid of all the clutter in our lives. Amen? And it's not for me to tell you what is clutter and what isn't. Amen? What is the issue? What has God called me to do? Is this going to help me with what I've got to do for him? Or will this give me an opportunity to help somebody else with what they've got to do? You understand? It works both ways. It's not just about you and I. You see, your and my ministry will always involve people. Amen? Can I really help this person? Then it's not clutter, even if they're the most ungodly people on the earth. Does everybody grasp that? This is what you and I are called to do. And our time that is limited, we have to redeem. And we have to constantly, constantly ask ourselves this question. Is this valuable to my life and what God's called me to do? Is this part of what I'm called to do? Or is this just clutter? Has it become clutter? It might have been a valid activity before, but now, now it's clutter. And that's when it takes a lot of courage. Do what? Pruning shares. Pruning shares. Benny Hinn, we were listening to a wonderful interview he was having. The man's been through the mill, let me tell you. He's gone through a lot. God's done a great work in his life. And he said, cancelled all his television networks. He said, I do nothing now anymore. Just read the word of God and minister. That's all he does. Can you see what's happened? All of those things were good at one stage. Information, you know, input from here, from these other ministries, all very important. But what became of all of them in his life? Now it's clutter. Can you see? Clutter. Clutter. Does that mean you and I have got to stop everything and not watch any television? No, 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 no. I'll watch a bit now and then. I like to keep informed. Not a bad thing. But I can't afford to listen and watch that all day. I cannot afford to do it. Why? Your mind gets contaminated with the world system and you can no longer operate for God. Amen. I think I've said enough, maybe more than enough. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you'd help every single one of us to identify whatever it is in our lives that's not producing, Lord, not producing fruit for what we are called to do individually and collectively. And give us the strength, Lord, of character to draw the line and say, this is clutter. I don't need it anymore. So, Lord, that we can operate unhindered 
for the sake of your kingdom. You want an efficient body, strong body? May we be ready at every moment, Lord, to move with you. In the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Amen.